You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show. Uh, we're, we're here at The Comedy Cellar with Dan Adaman and Kristen Montella. We have some guests coming. Um, we had a big uh, incident at The Comedy Cellar this week with a lady who was very upset about the alligator jokes. Oh, boy. Um, but Dan was saying, we, Dan got his first check, or was about to get his first check for this uh, of $1,333. And, from this uh, podcast, from, that's for two, it's not for a three. podcast from our radio show. Yeah, radio and show. Um, but that's for three years. How really. does that feel then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, well, like like I was saying, now I can go to the bank because I have a sixty dollars ch- residual check from something I did for the Byron Allen uh, that he does. Uh, one of those shows he does for the years ago, I did it, and I. But I don't like to go to the bank for only sixty bucks. You know, so now Chase? when I get this, what does Chase have to do with because it? Because they have that like where you can take a picture of the check and it deposits through your phone. I'd like to go to the bank and oh, make well, a whole day in, about it. Now we're getting to the pathology. Here we go. Well, I make a make a, I make a kind of an afternoon out of it. I go to the bank. I put my checks in. You could just take a picture of a check and send it. They'll deposit it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You maybe you can do it. I I, I work with the uh, good people of Citibank, and maybe you can do it. Maybe there they too. have it too. I don't but know. But I don't. I, it's not far from my house. I enjoy going and putting in a whole ritual for me. You know, I I don't know if I can identify them all, but um, everything is moving forward, right? Every everything is moving forward. But from time to time, technology moves backwards. For instance, like Flash, like Apple when the iPhone came yeah. out, it killed, you just have these awesome websites with graphics and and animation, and you said games on it. No more. Done. Like they just killed it. And uh, there's new chip cards. Yeah. You used to be able to swipe a card, one, two, three, out. No, get the now hook. it's like, It yeah. actually takes like two or three times as long to, to do a but credit card not, transaction But that's not technology now. going backwards, though. That's because the strips are, able, you're, are e- more easily, re- you can make fake ones. No, I understand. Chip, I understand you why so. you're right, but I'm just saying the technology is not going backward. The time it well, takes. Well, look, and like with cell phones, the the call is less clear, but it's a cell phone, so there's advantages and disadvantages. I know. I'm just saying, from time to time, something only, gets worse, the and best it surprises example, me. The best battery example. life, battery life on a phone used to be yeah. Good. Your phone couldn't do anything. Every, I know, but every year that you think, okay, when iPhone first came out, the batteries say, well, they'll 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 get that in a few years. No, every new iPhone it seems the battery lasts less. Right. Uh, I don't know if it lasts less, but the, the only, the best example of what you're suggesting is, is technology going backwards. The, really, the only example, I think, is the Concorde. I used to be able to get up. <laughs> perfect example. At, at uh, 8 in the morning, I'd be in London by lunchtime. Yeah. It's a perfect, who but, would have thought in the 70s, by 2016, it'll take you three times as long to get to right. London. Never. Well, there's also, um, like, some technology that's I'm surprised hasn't come around yet. Like, this is one, one time where I can actually interject something from my regular job, which is really interesting. All right, just guess. So, I work with a scientist <laughs> who just invented software that filters out background noise. And you can put it, he's going to, you can use it for Siri, you can put it on phones, it'll actually make... The, the receiver sound better even if that person doesn't have it as long as you have I, it on your I phone. I need that for the comedy solo. Yeah, so it's it's up and coming. He developed it for cochlear implants. Well, what do you mean? Hear, I need those too. Yeah. What do you mean filters <laughs> out background noise? Like, like right now. Like the, the, the sound of the restaurant? Yeah. It has something to do with t- putting two things out of phase with each other, right? Yes. Ca- cancellation? Yes. It's not the same as noise cancellation. Well, those, I've tried noise cancellation. That that doesn't work nearly as well as you would think. But noise cancellation is just a material. It's not. No, noise no, no. no it's, it sends like a, a a wave that's supposed to cancel out. Oh, it does. Okay. But it doesn't work. It doesn't block the sound. I mean, it, it, it attenuates. It diminishes. It's attenuation. Well, this is a this is a software that can be written into different electrical things. 
to. Let me tell you. That's not something for which I have an overwhelming need. But uh, let me tell you. You might though using Siri in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. If you could talk to. I never use Siri. Okay, but you might if you could get. You know, it is a big. It's a big uh, obstacle for voice recognition shit because you can't. Or answering your phone in a restaurant and trying to hear what the person's saying. I send text messages, but. Oh but Fine, one, Daniel. One You're the one person who will have no use for it. Okay, here are the technologies that don't move forward in my estimation. Prostate exam. <laughs> if God had not made a human being's fingers able to fit in a man's ass, how would they examine your prostate? Science has no way to examine a man's prostate besides this dehumanizing, humiliating way. They have a machine and a thing for everything. What, it would be less dehumanizing if they put like a metal rod up can't there. Can't they or see something? through it? Do they, I mean, can't they put a, like a fluoroscope know. type? Like, is to put and, something and in by the your way, butt. It would be less dehumanizing if they put a rod up there. It would be, wouldn't it, Dan? I don't know. Uh, well, as long as the rod didn't have like a, 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 a head a dildo. on it. <laughs> 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 yeah, a man fit. putting his finger is, and, and, and it's it's. Get a female proctologist. But, uh, it's not a proctologist exam. It's well, a, no, women, whatever. Women d- don't generally. <laughs> well, what is, no, it's not. It is proctology. No, you go to your general when you get a checkup. Uh, your general physician he checks your pro- not right. Your, but a proctologist also. A, but a proctologist that's his stock and trade. No, I yeah. think a proctologist is worried about your ass. The, well, the urologist is worried about your prostate. I should know this, but no. Uh, urologist is your know. your other side. If you have hemorrhoids, don't you go to a proctologist? I've never been to a proctologist. By I don't way. know. All right, so that, that's the thing. Next thing is the condom. I thought by 2016 we would have spray-on condoms. Not by 2015. Not by t- spray-on, meaning no loss of feeling or sensitivity. Just the thinnest, kind of bar- yeah. thinnest little spray-on glue thing that would just keep you safe. A barrier, like like bug spray, except it would work on sperm. And, and AIDS virus. That's it. Like like a new, you know, like a off a yeah. spray off. Yeah. Like no, it doesn't happen. An aerosol. Happen. An aerosol condom that would just kill, kill uh, bacteria, viruses, and and sperm. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Well, I never thought of it. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, it might come in handy for me, but I I, I have a hard time. Uh, Men would start using condoms in that case. Yeah, if it was just a sperm. Men need, men need, I mean, who wants to use a condom? And it's, women don't even get it. They do not understand. The women do because it feels better without a condom for women, too. But not the same. Am I right, Kristen? Yeah. I don't, th- I don't even think it does. Wait a minute, can, can you? No, I think it does. I think it feels better because it's hotter because women, because men aren't faking and pretending they're into it when they're not using a condom. And, and, and they sense that. That's what I think. I don't know. You can't well, feel you, anything. You, you cannot feel any, I cannot feel anything with a condom. Nothing. You could slam my, my dick in a, pian, in a, in a piano <laughs> cover. <laughs> so, so, uh, so what have you been doing all these years? Um, I got like a half dozen girls pregnant. and, and Yeah, uh, exactly. Lucky you didn't get AIDS. Lucky I didn't get AIDS. Nah, men don't really uh, get AIDS that often in heterosexual experiences. Typically not. And by the way, and we talk about this, women don't ever ask you to wear a condom. It's all a myth. No, what are you talking about? Of course they do. Uh, from time to time, and they can be easily persuaded. I mean, it's such. Oh God, no! Please, let's not have this conversation. All right, listen. I am a little <laughs> bit older. I mean, I, 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 I was sexually active. Uh, you know, when when <laughs> women had diaphragms, like, <laughs> like like women used to go into the have a diaphragm in their purse. Did you ever have a diaphragm? No. It's the dumbest thing. And then they, like your things are really hot, and then the girl gets up and goes into the bathroom I, I and puts, puts in her how, diaphragm. Yeah, that, I can't even see how that. 
Yeah, I never. I, I never because, because until like nineteen, whenever when did AIDS come? The, the early eighties. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, STDs were not the big worry because they were curable. Herpes was there, but nobody was really aware of it. And uh, well, even herpes is not. I mean, it's it's not good, but it's not fatal. No, but nobody wanted to get herpes. But like gonorrhea and syphilis, that's what we will talk about with the yeah, like when I was a the kid. Clap. And you know, you, you would take a pill. So you so you weren't gonna wear a condom just to avoid having to take an antibiotic. You know, she would she would use a was use a diaphragm. Also, they're they're quite symptomatic. Uh, um, it just always reminds me. It's like you're sticking one of those things. You know, those things you used to flip over and put them on the table, and they go. It was when I, when I was a little kid, uh, my mother used to take birth control pills, and she explained to me that if she didn't take them, she would get pregnant. Right. But I didn't understand intercourse. So I thought that a woman just had to take this every day. And if she didn't, <laughs> she oh, she that's how you get pregnant. <laughs> <All> <laughs> just right. like the, the absence of birth control pill meant. And so I hid her birth control pills. Because <laughs> you wanted a, a sibling. Because I wanted a brother or sister. And I can remember, no, I'm, did you really hide my birth control pills? And I kept it. I couldn't, we couldn't find them. And that's it was, funny. And I got, it's one of the only times I got beating. Well, it's interesting that you and your mother had the kind of relationship where she could talk to you about it. I mean, at, at that age. No, I think I saw them and I said, what are these? Oh, my mother would have never told me they were birth control. But you just said they were vitamins. I probably would have ended up taking them. <laughs> she would have said, oh, they just, they just make you, you know. Man boobs. <laughs> um, but she never would have said these are, oh, these are so your daddy. And my, you know, I never had really any discussion of sex with my parents except before I went off to college. And I made a joke about it because my father, before I went off to college, he said to me, uh, Dan, uh, can I buy you some, you know, you're going to be living. He was very awkward and stuttery. And he said, Dan, you're going to be, you know, on your own. And a lot of girls and, you know, men and women living together in close proximity. And so, um, you know, do you need me to go get you something from the drugstore? Uh, and I just said, don't worry about it. Because I hadn't even kissed a girl at that point. I think I said to him, I haven't even, you know. In my head, I'm thinking, are you out of your fucking mind? I, 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 I'm so far away from having sex with a chick. I'm but, picturing but Eugene I'm, Levy in, in, in American Pie when Dan <laughs> tells his story. But I made the, do you know my the joke I made about it? Or the joke I made about it was where my father said, hey, I got you so, you know, you're going to be living with, you're going to be going off to college living with a bunch of women uh, in close proximity. I got you something from the drugstore. And I, I say to him, oh, no, don't worry, Dad, I have condoms already. He's like, no, no, antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. You know, <laughs> but, um, and that joke works about half the time. I, I don't really use it because it's not a reliable 100%er. Because a lot of people just aren't in tune with the whole antidepressant thing. You get that, you get outside of New York and people, they're not you, as in tune yeah. with it. You know, Dan, I got to tell you, there are so, you, I'm sure you agree with this, but I want to just uh, validate it for you if you do feel this way. Some jokes are really, really good and deserve to stay in the act, even if they don't get a big laugh. It, it's the same yeah. thing with music. Like some things, it, they're just not designed. It doesn't mean people don't think they're funny or, or it just, for whatever reason... They don't scratch whatever it is that needs to be scratched to get that involuntary reflex of the laugh, but they still stay with you and remember them, and and they're good. And and well, that's interesting that you say that because but you can't have too many of those. Yeah, because you, as much as anybody, when you see your comedians on stage downstairs, you want to hear thunderous laughter. Uh yes, of course. But I I am also able to look go into a room and sense they're into this guy. You know, for instance, like uh, some comedians will, will go a long period without a laugh. And if you walked in during one of those periods, you would still sense he has the audience. You, you see the body language. You just feel it. It's a, it, it doesn't look, there's a certain vibe in the air when, when, the, when you have the audience. And it's, laughs are one way to take a temperature on that vibe, but it's not the only way. 
I'm surprised it doesn't. I actually, I thought you were gonna say like Jergens and Kleenex or something. So the antidepressants is it like the unexpected. You didn't even see it. Yeah. So I don't know why that. I don't know. That would make getting, me laugh just because I didn't see it. Getting to know him's point. Um, you know, uh, I think most of most comics want to hear those big laughs, even though what you're saying is true, um, because big laughs are the only the only objective evidence we had that what we're saying is interesting. Right. You know, if if they're enjoying it but they're not laughing, we really don't know. And I, for one, I'm particularly insecure about it, and I want to hear. Thund- I'm figuring if they're not laughing, they're not hitting me. And if they're laughing, they can't hit me. I think that's where it comes from. I was like, you know, <laughs> no, uh, you're, on, you're, some, on some deep level. Like being bullied? You I mean? feel like <laughs> yeah, they, they won't, they won't uh, I don't know, you know. I still feel, I, I have a fear of the audience on some level, you know, that, um, I, that they're like the enemy and I have to tame them. I'm with you on that, and, and, uh, but that's why so much of, I mean, this is what, why charisma can't be measured be, and self-confidence and how it, how it because they're, you know, the audience can smell fear and the audience does want to be entertained and they want to be laughing. On the other hand, somehow they can, they also will, will, uh, will follow you along if you're confident. And so, so you just, I mean, well, you know, as well as I do, it's impossible to quantify it, but I don't think you have to have a laughs all the time. Louis, as he became more and more famous, I th- and more and more popular, I think he has fewer laughs. I think when you become famous like that, the, the need for laughs necessarily decreases because it's compensated by the fact that you're, that you're going to work anyway. I mean, you know, he doesn't have to worry about if I don't get laughs, they're not going to book me. No, but I actually so there think, is that. I think they're enjoying him as much or oh, more yeah. as they ever did, and but, they don't require right. the laughs. Right. right, yes. But he also doesn't need to get the laughs because he's not looking to... You know, a club owner wants to hear those laughs. Uh, what's your before we bring More our laughs. guest? What about your trip? Dan had one oh, week right. with Ray Allen and no, Aruba. Robert Kelly wasn't there. Who was, was there? Well, Pete Lee and his girlfriend Emily Tarver from Orange is the New Black. He's in the uh, fourth season, I guess. Um, they were down there for a few days, then he left, and then Brian Scott McFadden came down. Ah. Oh, nice. Now, do you know Brian? He should be working here. He's a really strong act. Now, I tell him to come down here, but... I, I, I was just talking to Essie about him the other day. I do know him, and I saw him in Aruba, and he, and he gets big ovations, and we, he should be working here. So what about Ray Allen? What do you got to say about your... Do you have any, have any Aruba stories? Do you have anything you want to talk about before we bring our, our guest up? Once again, this is the third time that when I had an Aruba booked, I got a TV and offered to do TV. Right. One time was Amy Schumer offered me a sketch. One time Louis C.K. offered me a small role in his thing. And both times I turned them down because I was in Aruba. Oh, damn. This time, <laughs> I didn't. I came back early. So I damn. came back. I was going to come back yesterday. I came back Sunday, and I did Judd Apatow's, you know, the crashing with Pete Holmes. I oh, did that nice. yesterday. So. I mean, I'm glad I did that. I, um, you know, uh, I, I, it was an easy decision because the reason that I did it and the reason that I, I didn't do those other ones and I did do this one is because, first of all, it's the second time Judd has asked me to be, and I was in the pilot as well. So, you know, he's... That's it, a good guy to keep, you know... And I see Judd all the time here at, at the, uh, the comedy center. And you're comfortable with Judd. I am, yeah. And also, it was a bit slightly bigger role. It was a slightly meatier role. Like, the Louis C.K. role, anybody, it was just like me going like, hey, I, you know, I forgot what it was, but it was like something anybody could have done it. The Amy role, anybody could have done it. This was slightly written with me in mind. I think not the Amy over- role was written with you in mind, too. Uh, that's not my recollection, but it could be. This role was a slightly more written with me in mind, I thought. It was a little bit longer, and I was able to ad-lib a few extra lines in. Assuming they don't get cut, it'll be like five or six well, I- lines. I'm going to talk to Judd this weekend, and I'm going to make sure uh, Dan's... You cut? Well, you have that Dan, influence. I'm going to tell Judd it's going to be Dan's lines or his brain on that piece of paper. <laughs> right. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> 
Yeah, I heard that story. <laughs> Ain't no band leader. <laughs> Actually, Judd was not directing that episode. This other guy, Ryan, who, Ryan something, I don't know him, but Judd stopped by at the end. Uh, well, you know, it was me and, and, and Artie Lang and David Tell and, and uh, Pete Holmes and Rachel Feinstein in that scene. It was, it was fun, you know. Oh, are, you, are you a good actor, Dan? Um, I think I'm certainly good. You know, I think this notion of good actor is overblown. I think most comics can do a reasonable job if the role is right. Uh, yeah, I think so. Would you do a nude scene? I doubt it, but, you know, if it was like... Uh, is there a price? Yeah, I think there's a price. What's the price for full frontal nudity? <laughs> full, full nat- nattery. Uh, if I could walk out of there with a million clean? Million clean. A that million means after clean, taxes? After taxes, so I you think need I two million. Do, yeah. 1. 9 million well, or whatever something? Whatever I would yeah. need. You know, and if it was an otherwise funny role... Um, or even an unfunny role if it's a million bucks what, is uh, it ma- what if it's a nude scene with Jennifer Lopez is that up the price or cheaping the price uh, or, or, or no, the you female of all people of all people you'd pick Jennifer that's an odd person of all people you'd pick yeah, Jennifer. Of course he would pick Jennifer for him you gotta pick like Marion Cotillard how, I mean, Jennifer Lopez okay Tina Fey I mean if you ask 10 people to name the hottest women in Hollywood you would would Jennifer Lopez come up even once? Well, 10 now? years ago she might have. I think 10 years ago, but you're... Right. I know, she's still pretty hot. What about Joan Van Ark? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? She's from the, the 70s. From the- <laughs> no, she's for, she was hot in the 70s. Uh, whatever. If it was, uh, was Barbara Eden, yes, I would. Barbara Eden, yeah. yeah. Who, who we're going Barbara old school. <laughs> no, somebody... somebody um, Marion, whatever. Marion Cody. Yeah. I love Marion Cotillard, and she's French, so it would be fun to right. practice my French. Oh, I like her. her. She's the one in Inception. I don't know. She was in La Vie en Rose. I didn't see she that. She was in one of the Bonds, I think. Or something. Yeah, yeah, she's hot. She's hotter. She's a little nutty, I think, in terms of I th- some of her political views. Well, anyway, would that make you charge more or less? I guess less. That less. would probably lessen the price. What's your price with her, with the French broad? <laughs> you know, it's very hard because this is a situation that will never come up, but uh, I, would, I would say a few hundred thousand. <laughs> it should be easier if it's never really going to come up. Okay, should we bring up Stephen? Okay. Should we invite Mr. Reese? Our dear friend, uh, Stephen Calabria, uh, found this gentleman. Yeah, please. Stephen's a, a good friend of the clubs, and uh, he's become like Noam's kind of... I don't know how to describe your relationship with Steve Calabria. He's my good friend. He's my Calabria collaborator. Uh, he is your good friend. There, but there seems to be like a daddy-son you never had, even though you do have a son, relationship between First you First of all, you make me feel old. I don't, I don't regard him as younger than me, except when he says stupid things about politics. But other than that, I, I, I mean, I, I don't... I don't re- do you regard me as like an old man? So am, I, am I your daddy? Oh, God. I hope not. Okay. Well, anyway, so he found this individual. This is David Reese. He's a former cartoonist of Get Your War On, current contributor to the magazine, The Baffler, and co-host of the podcast Election Profit Makers. But you're well-known because you did that uh, Rolling Stone comic strip making fun of George W. Bush all those years, correct? That's why I am so incredibly well-known. Well, I mean, yes. that, but <laughs> well how many Twitter followers do you have? That's as good a as good a benchmark as any in terms of well knownitude. Probably not as many as you. But I, I, have, I, I have, feel like a relatively obscure person. Is it possible to be very famous? And who's who's got the highest fame to no Twitter follower ratio? Who actually has a Twitter account? Yeah, who has a Twitter account? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good. That that's was, a good. Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One that's an spe- interesting question. That's an interesting question. It's can I ask you my Can I ask you my Twitter related parlor game questions? Sure. Go ahead. Would you agree to never look at Twitter again for a one-time payout of $1 per follower? So take the number of ah. followers you have, you get a dollar per follower, and then you must never look at Twitter again. 
I, I mean, I would, and I have like 30 followers. I don't give a shit about Twitter. So it wouldn't be but worth I'm it not, for you. I'm not the... Dan I don't care. I would never no, look No, I have 7,000 followers, and uh, I mean, I don't love Twitter. Twitter's not my go-to. I, you know, I'm more... I prefer You're Facebook. You're a Facebook guy. I'm a Facebook guy. I don't really do much with Twitter, but seven grand's not enough. If you said 100 grand, Hold yeah, up. I would take that. You... What if it was $50,000? That still wouldn't be enough to just never look at Twitter again and poison your mind with all that stuff? Really? It has to be $100,000? You like, have to you think like about Twitter. It. I have to think about it. How much would it yeah. be for Facebook? A million dollars? Facebook would be a lot. I like Facebook. Uh, yeah. Facebook would be a lot. But I got off Facebook. I, Facebook cold would be a turkey, lot. no problem. And <laughs> I've gotten laid with Facebook. He would do, uh, yeah, well, sex. Oh, yeah. you use it for... I, well, I, I, among everybody else in the, in the Western world, yes, I use it. For that purpose, he just before it's funny. Just before I mean, you came on, we were putting a price on what, what he just did a Judd Apatow movie or TV show. We're asking his price for full frontal nudity was a million dollars to look at Judd Apatow full frontal nudity. No, for Dan to do it for a, me to a do a nude, nude scene. scene. Oh. So listen, Stephen may be uh, dear to me, but he as I'm reading and I'm, I'm ashamed to be doing it now. Reading his Wikipedia page, there's some awesome things here that you never even mentioned to me. First of all. He was a fact checker for Martha Stewart Wedding Magazine. I was doing that when I started Get Your War On. Yeah, I was a fact checker at Martha Stewart Weddings Magazine and Maxim Magazine. Maxim is oh. like that men's magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, 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 what kind of facts do you have to check there? Well, you have to check all the fashion, all the photo credits, all the stores where all the belt buckles are available. They have feature articles. you got to check the... the engine make on the new Mustang. Wow. They did, have reported stories. You did, know. did you deal with Martha Stewart at all? Uh, I saw her once in the hall, and we did the kind of like, what's up, head nod, and I felt like I had this rush of energy go through my body. <laughs> it was like, I am like rubbing shoulders with the, the Illuminati. That was so intense. I had to go lie down. She's one of those people, I don't know why I feel like I'd be like that if I met her. And I, I don't love her, and you know, I'm not like, I don't follow her, but we we played a party for her, her when I was in a band, but I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Did did you were you working there when she got arrested? This was post. She she was out and she was free when I was working for her. Uh, so yeah. was there any any uh, buzz about that, or and mm. we were you not permitted to I talk really, about that? I really kind of kept my head down and just checked the prices of the wedding dresses and like <laughs> fact checked the details about the lovely island weddings and stuff. All right, and then it says here from there you went to artisanal pencil sharpening. Right. So I was a political cartoonist until Bush left office. I said I was going to quit when George W. Bush did. And then I ran out of money. I didn't really know what to do with my life. So my friend said, you should go get a job for the census. It was 2010 by this point. So I got a job as a door knocker for the census. And uh, we did everything in pencil at the census, like for the Scantron sheets. Yeah. And uh, so I was sharpening a lot of pencils. And I thought, I wonder if I can get paid to sharpen pencils. And... Um, so I started this website, artisanal, artisanalpencilsharpening.com, and the original price was $15 per pencil, and, uh, and then it, things kind of got out of hand, and I got a book deal. I wrote a book called How to Sharpen Pencils. And, um, what does that entail, artisanal This is the kind of sharpening. guy you should have married, by the way. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, An artisanal pencil sharpening. <laughs> just, that's, are you Jewish? No, I'm Episcopalian. Oh. Okay, go ahead. Non-believing, though. Okay. What does that have to do with are marrying Christy? Are you guys, all, yeah, are you guys all Jewish? No, no, I'm not Jewish. No, I am, obviously, but she's, right. not. she's not. I used to make challah bread because I used to, in college, I used to eat in a, in a kosher co-op. So now I know how to keep a kosher kitchen. 
Oh my God! All right, come yeah. on. You should have married. Him. How do you? How do? You, so was this just a, a con? Like somebody just sending you? No, no. It's like he's got a timer in his head. If he doesn't say the word Jew every. No, I just want. It's yeah. twenty five no, minutes. It, it, I'll tell you what, by, because I mean, the, t- the stereotype is Jews making a business out of anything, and here's like to be resourceful enough to figure out how to sharpen pencils for five hundred dollars. No, and a Christian. Leo Frank was in the pencil business, I believe. So, so was it? Was it just like? Taking people's money, or was it? Were you really offering a service? No, I did it. Like no, I really pe- did. What it. does that mean, artisanal? It means I sharpened the pencils really, really well, and then I bagged the shavings and sent them back. You know, to prove with, that you. It's like yeah. a, it's like a, the pet rock of services. It's like a gag. And you got a, and you got a. You, the pencil was shipped in a shatterproof display tube with a little ID label with all the information about the sharpener that I used, and then you got a little certificate. People bought them as like. Uh, uh, like retirement now. retirement gifts for teachers, or like a, p- parents would buy a lucky pencil for their kid before they took the SAT. Sometimes they were given as engagement gifts or wedding gifts if like one of the and the price mem- got up to five hundred dollars. Yeah, but I I jacked up the price to five hundred dollars just to essentially end the business. Like the highest it ever the highest it ever went where I was doing a lot of business was forty dollars per pencil. That's you don't find that amazing. Yeah, the stupidity of the American public no. is right <laughs> Well, first of all, that he walked what? away from the business. For $40, you get a fun, limited edition keepsake. You know, it's a conversation piece. All right. I, yeah, no, it's why, why did you stop it's... doing it? You must have been making good money with that. Not a lot of overhead. I made, nah, I, made, I, made I made, decent money, but honestly, I was, uh, I was, hosting, like a... I was hosting a TV show. And we would be out shooting, and in the back of my mind, I would be like, oh, I have, when I get home, I have all these pencils backed I, up. I, I got to apologize. I, was like, I, was, I could never... I, it was always hanging over me in a I, way. I know the stress. Do you of, know uh, what I mean? The I, stress I know exactly. of sharpening. I know. No, no. The, the yeah, stress yeah, yeah. of uh, I, I'm that way with my unanswered email, my text message. Right. I, exactly. I yeah. People start to people send messages. Hey, I ordered my pencil. Where is it? It's been six weeks. How long does it take to sharpen a pencil? <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been away shooting, and now we're in edit. I promise, I'll send you the pencil. Blah 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 blah. Oh my god. So it's just like it was. Too, what TV show were you doing? I hosted a TV show called Going Deep with David Reese. And it was a how-to show. The first season was on Nat Geo, and the second season was on the Esquire channel. And it was kind of based on the pencil project, or the pencil book. I wrote a book, How to Sharpen Pencils, and then we made a how-to show about about things that seem really, really simple. So, like, how to tie your shoes, how to open the door, how to shake hands. And we would go and find experts and scientists and anthropologists and figure out all the science. And That sounds awesome. That's the kind of show I would watch. You should have watched it. Maybe we could make more of it, but it got canceled. Speaking of going deep, we were talking about uh, pro- procta- prostate exams. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering what you thought about that. I'm in fa- I think men should get it checked out. Yeah. I was saying that, that I didn't understand why there's, with all the advancement of modern science, they haven't replaced a finger in the butt as a prostate. Well, what would we do if God hadn't made the finger that fits in the butt? How would we just not be able to check the prostate? There's yeah. no other way it can be done. It it's probably can be done, tool. but the, the finger is probably, you know, your sense of touch is so... Yeah, exactly. You know, it's much better than... Understand. Understand. That's, that's why we have finger... That's why we have fingerprints. Fingertips, Bec- yeah. Yeah, the prints. fingerprints are basically... You're, you get so many more skin cells in the same square inch of they're like body a, part. They're, fil- they're like yeah. cilia for Yeah, fingers. exactly. It's like cilia. So that is... Your that's fingertip why. can sense something that on your that's show, so much more Very good, Michael. We never did that. You've made... You've... Rendered ridiculous his whole <laughs> his whole so argument. Let's let's get to the political. I believe they cartooning. checked. Do they ma- mammograms are also the fingers too, right? No, <laughs> maybe yours. <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your mother's doctor. Um, uh, so uh, now I, 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 I'm gonna let them ask whatever they want. So I'm gonna work backwards for a second. This is my okay. what I'm curious about. Before we get to Bush, uh-huh. could you do you think 
write a political cartoon. We went from ass to bush. Even, <laughs> even about a candidate or about a president who I'm presuming that you like Barack Obama, maybe you don't. Or do you have to really dislike the guy that you're making fun of? Or could you, could you find a way to just make fun of any president? Well, I think that it was a lot easier for me to make fun of Bush in my cartoons than it would have been to make fun of Obama. But in the end, I mean, because these cartoons were pretty dark and profane and kind of like panicked and anxious. Because I started like just uh, like a month after 9-11. Everything was still kind of raw and pretty crazy in New York. And, and were you immediately uh, skeptical of Bush even in the days after 9-11? I was skeptical of him bombing Afghanistan in Operation Enduring Freedom and declaring a never-ending war on terror. I thought that was a really dumb idea. Okay. Uh, so I was pretty skeptical pretty early on. But also I was just freaked out. The cartoon wasn't essentially, when it started, it wasn't really like anti-Bush. It was just like, this is a crazy situation. Like, I can't sleep. You know? It was, it was more just like a cathartic emotional thing. I think that's what people responded to. As the years dragged on and they realized like, oh, wow, like, this is our new reality. I think it became more traditionally just kind of, like, bashing on politicians. Did, do you know did, what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Did you ever find yourself wishing, even if, you, even if you didn't like the fact you found yourself wishing for things to happen that wouldn't be in the America's, in America's best interest... Oh, for material? Because it make your material and your, and your comics No, the thing... I, one of the things I really did not like about doing it and having a deadline... And I think it's incredible for anybody who does political satire on a deadline if they're doing a good job and are really willing to be truthful and dark about stuff. Is like I remember when like the Abu Ghraib pictures came out, and my first impulse—that was the prison camp that where they were uh, they abusing were having, prisoners, abusing right. prisoners. Yeah. And I remember my first instinct was like, "Oh, okay, I got to make jokes about this. What can I do? What can I do? Like, where's the angle? Blah blah blah. When's my deadline? How do I? How much time do I have? I really didn't like that feeling. I think satire is really important and valuable, and. Uh, but one thing about it, it that I think is a little, I don't want to say dehumanizing, but kind of puts up this weird scrim between you and the world where you take in news and as you're taking it in, you're trying to figure out, like, what's my angle? I mean, and people do this on Twitter, it's too. Scrim like, it's scrim a word. It's a photography scrim, a scrim, term. Yeah, yeah okay. like a little, like a, like a meniscus. Well, how's that? Like a, f uh, a filter. A filter, yeah, exactly. It's just like a, it's like a, you can... You're looking, at, you're looking at reality, you're looking at the state of the world, but at the same time, you have this distance because you're also thinking about, like, okay, what's my take on this? What's the joke I'm going to make about this horrible situation? What's the... Well, was, it, was it more about not making a joke that was easy or someone else would have made, or more about making one that was palatable? Well, that's a good distinction. I mean, I kind of feel like as, it, as I went on and the years dragged on and I got less and less excited about political cartooning, I felt like I did get kind of lazier and the cartoons suffered. But yeah, I mean, obviously you're super self-aware. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do something. You don't want to be a hack because political mm -hmm. cartooning, especially like traditional political cartooning, there's a lot of really, really hacky stuff out there. Somebody die, a celebrity dies, and the next day everybody has them showing up at the pearly gates in heaven, right. getting a pat on. Oh, it's nice to see you, Miles Davis. The band yeah. is ready for you, or right. something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, so you want to avoid that stuff. Wait, that's hack. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's kind of clever, right? It's like, oh yeah, he died, and now he's in heaven. All right, that's good to know. Yeah. Right. Jimi Hendrix yeah. and uh, Janis Joplin can play with yeah, him. Right? Would that be exactly. a good, a good yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and then you want to make something that is that also just feels funny to you 
Because that's an amazing feeling. If you can really express, if you can like unburden yourself and make something uh, that feels true and then people respond to it, like that's an amazing feeling. It doesn't right. have to be a political cartoon. It could be Miles Davis playing a wonderful trumpet solo. But right. Dan, but, Dan this, these sound like the same kind of considerations that a lot of comics go through. Like we're, we're going to talk to Sam later. He just made fun of the, the kid who got killed by the crocodile. Right. That's kind of like, I'm sure he's watching the news every day trying to figure out how he can make this funny. Right. And then we have, we have a comedian. Yeah, I mean, I don't do a lot of uh, jokes about the news. So you don't. In, but in my particular case, it's not, you know. Well, it, it doesn't make sense for a lot of comics because a comic has to have a set they can take out for like a year, right? And it has to be somewhat evergreen, I would imagine. But for a cartoonist, your client just needs the comic that day. Like, no one buys collections of political cartoons. I know that. I published three of them. Except like, Doonesbury, I think. Doonesbury, yeah, kid. but Doonesbury, because Doonesbury is like South Park. It's character-based. Mm -hmm. That's what's very smart about it. My cartoon was the opposite of that. It was just two bland, completely characterless pieces of clip art holding phones up. There was no backstory. There was no characters. There was no context. It was essentially just like writing stand-up bits and dumping it into this template. Do you regret doing it that way? No, I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. And for the first couple of years, it was like really, really exciting and creatively and emotionally fulfilling. Did you ever, ever have any situations where you were aware that your, your comic strips got back to President Bush? No, but I did do an event in D.C. and a guy came and he was, I think, a Pentagon speechwriter. And he said that every day they bundled cartoons for... It wasn't Rumsfeld. It was one of, maybe it was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs or someone. And he said that, and the speechwriter said that he, that he was a fan of mine. And so he always slipped some of my cartoons in. No, did, you, did you want to get into um, that recent uh, scandal with the uh, Congressman Steve King and his? Uh, oh, we can ask him his view on that. I want to ask him. Yeah, I want to ask him just uh, if he, if Trump doesn't. I mean, that's like a red cape in front of a bullfighter, in front of a bull uh, for a political cartoonist, isn't it? I mean, it must be such an urge to do cartoons about Trump. Well, the stuff that I'm writing now for The Baffler, which is, which is, they asked if I would do cartoons, and I said, I'll only do the cartoons if all I have to do is describe the cartoon, like take it to the next level of abstraction and not drawing. I'm just going to describe a cartoon in words. And the that's awesome. Reader, yeah. So that's my new, that's, that's, a great, I think that's, that's my really new great. gig. Because then the cartoon can get super, super Baroque and super complicated. Well, then people are going to start doing the cartoons and then sending them to right, you, Right, right. Yeah, we had that happen. Yeah, it was this really, man really has really just flattering. used two words that have probably never been used at this table. Baroque, Baroque and Baroque scrim. And scr but Baroque <laughs> might have been used, but not in that context. It means detailed and ornate. I understand that. Okay. <laughs> My point is, to use Baroque in that way has probably never been done at this table. Really? What kind I, of slobs I, are you interviewing here <laughs> at the comedy cell? We get a lot. But basically, what I'm doing is covering up my insecurity by throwing around a bunch of $2 words. Well, that's so if the word gets anywhere close to the target, people are going to be like, oh, Baroque, <laughs> look at you. Well, Dan's impressed. Well, I think that was rather Elizabethan of you to say so. Oh, here we go. Oh, Lord. Yeah, so these new cartoons are just descriptions of cartoons. And obviously, uh, I've talked about Trump. You, uh, you, you must hate Trump. I think he is... I've really been thinking about this a lot, honestly. I think he is maybe the most disgusting public figure of my lifetime. I think there is no... there. He's like all those guys in the Central Asian Republics, like uh, Islam Karamov, the guy who runs Uzbekistan and used to boil protesters in oil. 
or Turkmenbashi, the guy who ran Turkmenistan and changed the names of the months in the calendar to, to name them after his children and built a gigantic golden statue of himself that rotates to always be facing the sun. <laughs> the type of leader where we in the West used to think, look at those, those crazy maniacs. Right. Thank God there's some fundamental quality to American right. decency. We'll never have one of but those. That, that but I think Trump is, is could be one of those. Is that guys. rather a roaring 20s attitude? Roaring 20s? <laughs> I'm just trying to... You know, you, it's a Joycean take on things. Yeah, it's a Joycean take on things. Is that the name no, of the podcast? using time period. <laughs> yeah, I just decided I to that. use a, a time Dan period. Dan has a problem letting go. First so. of all, you should do stand-up comedy. <laughs> I'm going to keep I've done stand-up before. You have to stand-up? You, you, he, could, he could be a good I stand-up comedy. I'm not good at it. You're not good at it? Well, you have to keep working no. at it, but I think you have what it takes. I took two weeks, man. How long are you... No, no. Come on. They, they if say, you don't have it in two weeks... You're not going to get it. I might agree with you, actually, but they say it takes at least a couple years. I know. I always hear that on all these podcasts where people are like, when did you find your voice? Well, you know, four years out on the road, and then I finally figured out what I wanted to say. I don't know. No, the reason I say you'd, you'd be good at it is because, I'm, first of all, because I'm finding you funny, and second of all, because your take on things is you're not a hack, and it's, it's interesting. Like, like that, like, and, and like what you just said now, the mm-hmm. audience would find that I I think the audience would would be entertained by that. Well, like you, might to, you might could need be. to find a, a punchline. You might need you to go kinda, deep. You look kind of skeptical. Well, I don't know. He can't I'd stand have to, to hear me compliment anybody. No, no, not at all. I just don't know. You know, he's very intellectual. It might not. You know, but I'm are. not actually that intellectual. I just grew up in a somewhat academic. Households, I know how to pass. Do you know what I mean? Or they like, talk about Turkmenistan guys who. who he, well, that like, was. I only know that because I used to be a political cartoonist. I think so if I he subscribed were, to like fifteen policy journals and like political magazines. If but you read them, if he was yeah, twenty-five, it was a nightmare. that's why I don't do it anymore. It's if he was much. twenty-five, I would encourage it. No, I'm. Uh, I'm unfortunately, I'm, I'm he's, way too old. He's. He's. You know, in terms of, uh, I mean, if he wants to do it because he thinks it'd be fun, great. If he wants to do it to make it, quote unquote, make it. Unfortunately, nowadays, youth is, or maybe it always was this way, youth is, is paramount. Paramount? Uh, paramount. Okay. And, and what? Was, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, paramount. Shout out to paramount. You know, was, yeah. and that's the thing about comedy is we're talking about how long does it take. The problem with comedy is it takes longer. It takes so long that you kind of age out of it. The, you well, know, Dan, your prevarications are metastasizing. I'm not oh, kidding. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> help me. Uh, no, he didn't. A twofer. Um, no, wow. let, let, let me ask you, what about Hillary? You can't possibly be fond of Hillary. No, I well, mean, I'll vote for her, but I'm not. I mean, you know what? I go back and forth on that, too, actually, I have to say, because when you, and people make this point a lot, it's like, I, I voted for Bernie in the primary, and a lot of people are like, look, you put their policy positions down on paper, they agree on like 97% of this stuff, right? Right. Um, and I always do check myself to be like, do well, we hate her because I'm a misogynist? Is it really that? I don't think it is. Like, that. I think there's stuff about her that's just really unseemly. I think I think the email thing is just another example of what world do you two think you live on? Just follow the fucking. Are, are you allowed to? Yeah, 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 yeah. Follow the Please. fucking rules. Like, some you know what I mean? Like, so anyway. No, no, I. I but I, I'll, funny, to- I'll totally vote for her. I, 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 I'm gonna vote for Hillary. Although I, don't, I don't, I'm not. Uh, I don't detest Trump to the extent that you do. But I don't think he should be president. No, but don't, yeah. let's talk about the. Uh, yeah. Something that just occurred, the Senator Stephen uh, King. So what did he say? Can you can you read well, it? To oh, him? I know what he said. What You're talking say? about what he said the other well, night on he was, MSNBC. He was on MSN. Was it MSNBC? Yeah, it was MSNBC. Yeah. Somebody said the interviewer said that you know the, the Republican no, your Party. Audience, King. The Republican Party is all the days of you know old 
something like the Republican Party is all old, angry white people, right. something like that, and, and their days are numbered. Can you read what he said? I can certainly do that. Okay. Uh, please stand by. I, I might have it memorized. I might have it memorized. Try, actually. You, try, you can talk about. Well, here's what I remember. You look him it up saying. while he's saying. It. He's basically like, white people have done more than anyone else. He said, name one other subgroup of humans that have ever contributed anything as much as 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 we have and everyone on the panel was like oh what is happening I think, Char- I think Charles Pierce from Esquire was sitting there looking like he just found a turd in his beer like, his, 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 but Steve King's like a famously like xenophobic racist asshole you know but he I mean this is the good thing about the Trump campaign at least there's no more dog whistling and subtext like just say yeah. say what everyone what your followers are thinking we can have an honest conversation about it you'd be like you're, you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm torn by that stuff because I, I, a lot of what, a lot of, uh, tr- I mean, a lot of, a lot of things Trump says resonate with me. Well, let's uh, get, let's and, get, and, and, stick and to I'm, the Steve and not, King. Not the racist, I will, not, not the racial stuff, but the kind of, um, I told a story last time, but the very quick story. I was like, I know a guy in my town, you know, who was a contractor, like an upper middle class contractor. And he basically, the business is going under because he just can't compete with the, the the Mexican guys who are doing things for half the price, right, right? And those guys are angry, and their angry is righteous. Their anger is righteous, and they're going to vote for Trump, you know. And then we compound it by calling them racist because he's not a racist at all. He says I used to have a house and a thing, and and now I can't. No, I, no, I th- I agree with that somewhat, and I feel like I'm actually a little more conservative on immigration than most hardcore lefties. I don't. F- I don't find this argument compelling when people say, well, we're all immigrants, so why should... I mean, I understand, like, there's only so much land, there's only so many jobs. Now, is the business class completely exploiting this fear of immigrants for their own ends? Of course, you know? No, the business class wants the immigrants. Right, that's what I'm saying. They're exploiting the fear of it, though. Like, let everyone get... This is what Trump has done that most politicians haven't done before, is, you know, he actually kind of like turned around and went against some of the corporate interests of the people who run the Republican Party. At least it, he makes a big spectacle of saying that. I mean, who no, knows? No, he, he did. That, that, yeah, so, so I actually we kind of do agree. So, so and it's, I, I, understand, I understand why people support Donald Trump. Can I read the precise yes, quote? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mr. King responded. Make it a stem wire. This whole day. old uh, white people business does get a little tired, Charlie. I'd ask you to go back through history and figure out what are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people that you are talking about. Where did any other subgroup of people contribute more subgroup, to subgroup? That's I was going to say the subgroup is like the most. Well, subgroup right. because uh, it's got the word sub and you think subhuman, but you know, it's, I don't think that's what he was saying. But wh- where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization? So you, you the quote, well, the, the, you know, there's math. I'm, I'm not asking you for math your, for wasn't your answer. Invented by white people. I'm oh, not sorry. asking you for your answer. I'm simply quoting. Uh, what he said. Well, I, I would have to say that uh, on the... Uh, listen, I just had a big conversation. Where's Steve... Our other Steve King. We have a Steve King who works for us. It's yeah, big, believe it or not, we have a Steve King who works huge, for us. Big, uh, huge, black it's guy. Not, not a racist. Who's <laughs> not a black guy. And we're talking about Black Lives Matter. And I said, listen, I always took Black Lives Matter to, to be Black Lives Matter too. So I, and, right. I, and I understand why they're offended by the All Lives Matter. Nevertheless... When they want to make their points, like, would it kill them to make it clear to us that they are unhappy about seeing innocent? What, why, there's something in the presentation 
which is off-putting, even though I agree with what many What would say. you have them do? Every major Black Lives Matter activist and every mother whose son had just been killed by a white officer came out and condemned the Dallas shooting. It's just like when people say, why don't Muslims condemn terrorism? They do it all goddamn day. It's just it never gets any media attention. It complicates the narrative. Can, can we, we, we should talk about that another time, but about the Muslim, because we have a lot of, uh, we've talked about that a lot here. But I, I, I would disagree without going into it that... Um, there, there's something in the tone as it as it strikes me that uh, doesn't seem to be the same tone that Obama takes when he wants to make the, the point. But anyway, so on this guy, obviously where he's coming from is probably a, a fucked up place because yeah, he's coming he, from Iowa. Well, he shows he shows he shows <laughs> I'm just no I like Iowa. he shows <laughs> he shows no sensitivity to hedging and being careful how he expresses himself when he's expressing something. But that's what Trump has done. He has given everyone permission to finally just say what they're thinking. And what's okay. dangerous about it is, listen, it's fine if you just want to have a completely truthful, put it all on the table, honest argument about are white people better than black people? Let's talk about it, right? But the thing that Trump does that he also, when he's opened the door and created this new kind of space, you know, he's making it okay to like call for banning entire religions. He's making it okay for like to be kind of racist and creepy toward it's just like the he he expanded the boundary in a way that just feels like really dangerous. It doesn't. So, no, I'm but, saying what you're going to say. But can I can I be this guy's lawyer for a second? Yeah, yeah. If I had to, you know, yeah. you, you, every 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 uh, client deserves a lawyer. The best defense. White males are constantly bashed. Just the fact that you're a white male, people will assume things about you. If you're a white cop, they'll assume that that, that you you can't just have panicked. You can't just you, they'll assume that's because you're black. He's he's tired of white males constantly being bashed. He said, "Listen, enough with the fucking bashing white males. Look around you. Look at the Empire State Building. Look at this. Read. Look at Shakespeare. White males are responsible for for everything that you see around here." What group of people has done more than white males? Now, I would answer, listen, white males have oppressed people, so how much would you expect from the oppressed population? I mean, I mean, you could look at it, but it's, I, I, I don't know, I don't know where he's coming from, but I, there are white certain- White men are so fucking emotional. <laughs> and they make fun of women for getting on their periods and being emotional. Any white male who's older than the age of 40 years old is like having seven periods simultaneously <laughs> at all times now. And it makes sense because, yeah, their demographic is literally dying. But 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 is that a good thing in your estimation? Is it a good thing the demographic is dying? Yes. It depends, it on, how, it depends on how they handle themselves on the way out. But, I mean, but, that, but, but, why, are they, but, but why, should, why should being on the way out be something that should be celebrated? I'm not celebrating. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely stating and, and as by a fact. Being, that, and being, like, on, being on the way out is something that's self-inflicted. No, it's not self-inflicted. Yes, it is self-inflicted because... It, Dan, don't argue with... Our, go ahead. It's, <laughs> it's demography. Like, yeah, but the demography, the Trump, the the demography is what Trump and his followers are talking about. The Trump, supporters saying, are, Trump supporters are smart in two ways, okay? They're dumb enough to support this asshole, but they're smart enough to know <laughs> two things. One is the Republican Party has never given a shit about them. They've just had a completely transactional, utilitarian relationship. They just wanted their votes. They do not give a shit about white working class people. They get them all riled up about flag burning laws or gay people in bathrooms or what have you. They don't give a shit about you're the economic. You're not for that, are you? They, I'm, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. They're not. They don't care about that. And the other thing they're smart to know is, yeah, you're right. The country is changing. Like it's not going to be your country. Okay, in a but, couple of generations. But 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 hold on a second. But we, we, we can do. We, and I'm not judging. I, we, I'm just saying, no, no, like, yeah, but those we are can, two true things. But, but we can do something about that if we want to. You 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 know the Who's country. We? We, the voters. We. I mean, if if you want to decide that you're going to limit immigration, 
uh, you, you know, in a certain so so that the country will maintain the de- the, de- demo- demo- the, the demography it already has. That step can be taken. Can I, we, we have to wrap it up. Can I just say, you know, you, as, you know, as, as, we, I think people are celebrating the, the the decline of the white majority. I don't say that it's a bad thing or a good thing. I think it don't celebrate it. Who's celebrating it? Well, I think people are celebrating it. And the fact that white the, the fact that white men are now like, hey, everyone's making assumptions about us. Like, they're, it's like welcome to the experience of every other population who has ever been alive except for you guys right it's but like, that doesn't make it right doesn't make it right but at least fine maybe they should have some empathy or I maybe mean, or maybe they have the right to react just as angrily as the other populations have reacted yeah to the it. difference is there's still more of them it's still a majority no, but they still hold all the levers of power no. look at the portraits of every no, president has ever what, lived is, except for the most recent one this is where i think that you're making a case which actually doesn't can't be defended and it's not that i disagree with you but this aspect of it you cannot attribute to anybody the sins or merits or anything of somebody who happened to share their DNA. I have a son, well, actually, he's mixed race, but let's just presume for the sake of argument, he's white, and he grows up. You can't say to him, listen, now you, now you know how it feels after what, what's been happening. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm only 18 years old. I, right, I right. have nothing to do with that. Don't tell me now right, I know right, how right. it feels. Yeah. Right. Everybody's an individual. And that was supposed to be the lesson of the civil rights movement. And we constantly, all of us, we constantly revert into the concepts, not even realizing it, of uh, uh, born guilty or born innocence or attributing the fact that what, what, what white person did this, what one cop who is white did in California now makes it easier to believe that this cop here did it because he's racist. Right. The Central Park joggers. Right. We convicted these black kids who were innocent right. because a bunch of other black kids had done things like that in the past. So it was very easy. Right. The point is that we're all supposed to struggle, struggle, struggle to judge everybody as individuals. Let me tell you one other thing we got. So we, we have experience with this white male thing. Stephen was doing this. We do these debates here sometime. Yeah, he was and telling we, me about him. And we had this one guy, a big shot, I don't want to say his name, who refused to debate unless we had, he had a woman debating with him. Now, we're not talking about women's issues or anything. And he held us up. And we have a lot more trouble getting a, uh, people on the left in these debates than the right. For whatever, than the right, for whatever reason. They want a lot of money or whatever. The right-wing people, for the most part, sure, I'll come debate. So finally, he had to settle on a, a, a woman. It was, he just had to find someone to fill that chair. And she was terrible. And everybody was rolling their eyes. I really want to know these names. Well, you tell can, me the you, names afterwards? You, yeah, yeah, he'll tell oh, you. Okay, good. But then the guy who had insisted that he wouldn't debate unless we had a woman uh-huh. totally belittled her <laughs> because she was terrible. Ooh. Okay, but so, I'm not, I'm so not this following was, this the was like a little Hold on. This, so this was like a little microcosm of the whole affirmative action thing playing out. Well-intentioned white male. Uh, uh, the other white males are not good enough. The right, woman gets right, in there. Right. She's over her head. Now she makes women look like they're not even as smart as they are right. b- because she shouldn't have been there to begin with. As as if we were, and if we and if we did have only white males, we had an Iran debate prior to that where we had only white males, and we were getting all kinds of like hate mail about how come you, how can you only have white people? It's like, well, don't we the only people we had to debate, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure, that's not exactly on point, but I'm seeing this all the time. There's this hostility. If we had all women, nobody would have called to complain. Nobody would have written to complain. Right. All white males, it's like, they're not just commenting on it, they're furious. There right. is this anger towards white males. No, we had that when we were booking our show on Going Deep. It was re- We really wanted to have scientists and academics on camera who were not just a bunch of middle-aged white guys. And in some fields and in some locations and for whatever circumstances, sometimes that's hard to do. And we would have an episode where we'd be like, 
a lot of straight white guys, or you know what I mean. Which is and very close. And we get close. an angry email. It's like, we're trying. Like, I'm a hippie. I understand this stuff is important. You can't do it every single time. Should but we you, have just not aired this perfect, show? Because you understand that what you're saying right now is a very close cousin to what Steve King, in his, you know, in, in, a, in a very bad way, was saying. Like, listen, white males, we're the ones doing all the, the shit here. What other group... I mean, if, if another group was so uh, could compete so well, then how come you can't find more experts for your show? You know. Look well, the, because. Well, go ahead. Do we have time? I don't know. If you can make it quick, we have time. Uh, so the question is, why aren't there more non-white males in academic sciences? Racism. I think it's like yeah, structural racism and like in, in inequality in school funding because school funding is based on property taxes. I'm not, and I'm, I agree with you a thousand percent. But he's he's not talking about going forward. He's talking about. What is? Listen, I, I don't want, I don't hope nobody misunderstands. It's clear from his tone that he's not coming from a good place. Uh, I'm pointing to Dan's phone, but oh, right. where Steve King. It, it's it's clear to me. I get it. If I wanted to make the point he's making, I would never put it in that way. I understand, but Steve King, like a lot of guys, not all hashtag not all white males, they are feeling justifiably panicked. Yeah. Oh, we used to run shit. And now we are being constantly diminished and devalued, accused of racism. What about these great bridges and tunnels we built? What about these wonderful portraits that hang in all our museums? Right? Do you want polio? About, yeah, right. <laughs> what about all the vaccines that we invented? Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a completely normal, natural, human reaction to feeling under threat, which is the, which is the central premise of Trump's campaign. Look at what happened in the debate last night. Things are scary. You are under threat. Americans are scared. Daddy will keep you safe. All authoritarian politicians need to create discord and a, and a fear. They're not you that saw what scary. happened in France. One asshole drives a bus into a crowd of people. Almost and every ISIS, month now. And ISIS takes credit for that. A fucking bus. I was talking to Steve about this. I'm old enough to remember that if you wanted to do a terror attack, you brought down two skyscrapers in one day, and they both fell all the way down. The yeah. two tallest buildings in America. That was a terror attack. This guy driving a bus into a crowd? Come on. I think that's wishful thinking on your part. but but Because uh, I, I know if, if we had every other month... 100 people dying in New York City. But we don't. So why no. are we act, why are we why are our panties in a bunch like we're so scared like it's happening? Because it's not it, ha it's the same with the cop killing. Because the people cop fatalities are down. They've never been lower than they are right now in the past 30 years under Obama. The, the reason but they create be, this cycle of fear to whip everybody in a frenzy so they'll vote for this asshole. It's just stupid. You know, it's like when we talk about white men fucking man up. Learn about statistics, read crime statistics, learn about foreign policy, understand what's happening in the world. The world has never been safer. The reason would be because what's happening in France now seems impossible to stop here, and the people who are calling for it in France are also calling for it here, and the only way to, 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 to really stop it will be to compromise our values and civil liberties, and it's a scary situation. I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not defending overreaction Overreaction is not always clear, except in retrospect. But I also don't want to defend what seems like an underreaction based on a kind of ideology. This is a very dangerous situation. When you have an entire, uh, the ability to radicalize un, uh, unlimited number of people online, they don't ever have to go to a meeting or go to any kind of organization. And, they, and you can make a, send a call out into the ether, go out and kill people. And if only... A few hundred of those people take up the call. We have a very, very different change in our way of life here. It, it hasn't happened yet, 
but we'll worry that it will. You know, that's not crazy, is it? To worry that it will. I don't know. There's other stuff I worry about. I'm, I mean, I lived through 9/11. You have kids? No. Oh, I think that's part of it. Really? Yeah. When you have kids, I think you. At least it changed me. When you have kids, you worry about your kids. I don't know. That feels like an excuse. I'm to going me. shop. I'm going to the mall. God, I hope no no crazy right, person right. Goes up the mall. Go, yeah. You know. Uh, uh, anyway, well, listen. Uh, you know, I what, I didn't know you, and I didn't really know of you. That's okay. But I'm so happy you came on this show because yeah. I, because you're an awesome guy, and I I hope that do you live in New York. I'm moving. I'm in the process of moving to New York. So this would be a great home for you. I think the, the comedians would love you. You probably like comedy, and we always like to shoot the shit here. Well, I, I tell you that kind of thanks guy. for having me. Are we uh, are you, we friends or are we mad at each other? No, no he doesn't. No, no, no. It's no, all for the show. It's all for the show. I have my arms crossed because. We live in a godless universe. Here we go. <laughs> you know, you get into this Nietzsche right now. Here we go. <laughs> staring into the abyss. You expect me to be happy about it? But That'll be our two-man podcast. Staring into do, the abyss has nothing to do with you. All right. No, I there's got, nobody here who would take anything like anything personal. Yeah, no. And, uh, uh, so but, anyway, but, thank you. But you know, you do have some points that I would take issue with. Yes. Is that how I, is that, I just shook his hand. I don't know. Is that after, you're the expert? From and that he's by the way. No. You want to do is see this webbing in here. You yeah. want to hit web to web with that first, and then do oh, that. Okay. Yeah, and then you're supposed to look each other in the eye. Yeah, yeah. no, we have, by if, the way. But that's what Dan can't shake hands. It's the eye contact. True, oh, true or false? For the past 600 years, the white man is. Oh no, 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 no! We got to go. <laughs> uh, do, do you want to say anything about? Uh, you want to plug anything that you're doing? Though? Well, you can look for my column on thebaffler.com, and uh, today we just launched a new podcast called Election Profit Makers, which is going to run from now till the election, where my friend and I are going to bet on political futures on uh, predictit.org, and we're going to see if we can make any money based on all our highfalutin political knowledge. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. Good Thanks. night, everybody. Good night.